Welcome to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at cbcbuna.com. If you have a copy of God's Word, I'd invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Uh, Chapter 1 is where we'll make a home today. I do want to take just another opportunity to invite you back tonight. Um, I won't tell you which one of the praise team members said this, but one of them this morning said they were uh, very excited to hear a great sermon tonight. Uh, So one out of two ain't bad. So uh, uh, if you make it through this morning, your reward is getting to come hear a great message tonight. uh, we, we're excited about this January preaching series. I get Sunday night church is a thing that we, that we don't do a lot and our culture doesn't really do a lot. And uh, just so you know, that don't you know, start fretting. This isn't going to be something we're doing all the time. Uh, but we want to just set aside this month of January to take these Sunday nights just to kind of come together and hear God's word in a way that would challenge us in this new year. So I want to just ask you, even if that's not your normal rhythm, like some of you are like, man, you know, even when we had Sunday night church, that wasn't my deal. Uh, and I don't come to those things. I want to encourage you to come to, to these Sunday nights, and even if you can't do all of them, and just try to pencil in a couple of them uh, that you can come to and, and just be encouraged by God's words. These uh, pastors are, are bringing messages straight from the scriptures, and, and it's uh, going to be a wonderful time. Excited about all of them, uh, and we're going to have a great time getting started tonight. So I hope to see some of you back uh, this evening at 6 p.m. And it's fitting that we start a sermon series walking through this incredible text of scripture called The Foolishness of Preaching as we begin what we're calling the January preaching series. And what I wanted to do is take some time to remind you that preaching is the way that God uses to communicate his message and his gospel to us through his word, but it's a pretty wild thing that we do this thing called preaching. And I want you to know this isn't going to be like Southeast Texas, Southwest Louisiana has talent. We're not trying to bring these guys in and everybody gets to vote on their favorite preacher at the end of the month. Uh, that's not what we're going to do. Uh, but, but here's what I want us to, to consider is the reality that all that we have when it comes to the preaching of God's word is God's word. And he uses different uh, ministry leaders, different pastors with different voices and different communication uh, skills to come and bring God's word in unique ways. But ultimately, the only power we have and the only reason we have the power and wisdom of God is because of God's word and the message and the power of the cross of Christ. So I really wanted to remind us of that on Sunday mornings as we're getting to hear incredible preaching on Sunday nights. I wanted you to hear on Sunday mornings walking through this passage where the power in preaching comes from. So that's what I want to take some time to do. So I hope you've made your way to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. If the Lord were to physically manifest himself here and have a conversation with you this morning and say, hey, uh, that's how God talks real cash apparently, Uh, hey, I want to do one thing for you. I'm going to grant one request to you, whatever that request might be, I'm going to hook you up. This is your shot. I'm God. I can do it. So what is it that you want? What do you think you would say today? I think there are probably a lot of things. Maybe you would uh, pray for better health, or maybe it's a situation in your family. You say, Lord, could you fix that? Or or maybe it would be financial means, or, or maybe it would be, you know, like, unlimited wishes. Wait, you can't do that. That's the rule, right? So like, I don't know what it would be for you, but I do know that this has actually happened once in human history. 
In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, we see that the Lord comes to King Solomon, who was already a king, already had a lot, right? And goes to Solomon and says, hey, I want to give you whatever it is you want to ask for. And what do you think that dude asked for? Some of y'all went to Sunday school, so you already know. He asked for wisdom. And I'll just, just be honest. Wisdom's pretty far down on the list of things I was thinking of when I asked that question earlier, right? Any of you are like, well, wisdom is what I want. No, like you weren't thinking wisdom, all right? It's way down the list, yet what we find when we engage in the pages of Scripture is that wisdom is among the most important things that you and I could ever obtain. Do you know that God's wisdom is available to you and I today? Aren't you thankful to know that? Like, here's what the Bible says in James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously. So when Solomon asked for wisdom, you can go read that later. Here's what God did. said, all right, wisdom, and gave it to him. And listen, God is still in the business of answering that prayer. Like I said, James 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, and he will give it to you generously. Not just give you a little bit, like, oh, here's some wisdom. No, he gives wisdom generously to his people. In Proverbs chapter 1, wisdom is personified, and it says, wisdom cries aloud in the street saying, somebody come find me. Wisdom is available if you and I want it today, but where does that wisdom come from? That wisdom comes from perhaps a surprising source. As we get to the scripture, we'll see exactly where. So let's read, uh, we'll start at verse 18 and read through verse 25. I think that's all we'll get today. Uh, I brought my phone up here, so if I have more time, I'm going to keep going. So some of y'all are like, he better let us out early. we got to come back. To nope, it's not going to happen. Verse 18, here's what it says, the word of the Lord. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that through your word you would help us to see uh, your truth in a way that we can grab hold of it and be changed by it. Uh, Lord, we know that you want to speak and that you do speak every time we open your word. So through the foolishness of what we preach today, God, would your wisdom and power be on display. We love you and we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Uh, if you ever want to feel better about the status and the uh, standing of your church and how not messed up we are, go read on the background of the people of 1 Corinthians. Like, it was a messed up church with some crazy, like, Jerry Springer level drama going on. I mean, like, I'm not kidding. I'm not going to take time. Y'all know I could. I, I'm just going to just go read up on that later. A messed up church, messed up people. By the way, did you know that the church of Jesus Christ has always been made up of messed up people? 
I just want to tell you that. Like, I know sometimes preachers can kind of get on that habit of like, we need to be like the early church. Well, I've read the New Testament. Those people were pretty messed up a lot of the time, right? Yet God throughout history has used messed up people who come together under his name to do incredible things for his glory. So I'm thankful that God used people like the church in Corinth and that he stands ready to use people like us. But one of the big issues in this church was actually division. They weren't getting along. They weren't on the same page. We don't know all the nature of that division, but we do know one big part of it was that they were developing factions over different teaching groups. So some would say, I follow Paul. That's my guy. And I love the way he preaches and communicates. It's so theological and it's so intellectual. And then there were others who said, man, my favorite is Apollos. That's my guy. Apollos is bold and was a rhetorical genius. Man, I love the way he preaches with excitement. Do you see how this could happen in a church? I mean, even in this season of church life that we find ourselves in, like there are some, you know, we've had different preachers over the years. Like some of you, uh, Brother Delbert was here doing a funeral yesterday, and some of you were like, man, I miss that preaching. I miss Brother Delbert. And then even Brother Steve, we were blessed by him. And last week we had Brother Bryce bring a great message. Like, man, that'll let him preach more. Why is this dude back up there, right? Like it's easy to find ourselves. And here we are, we're bringing four different dudes in the next Sunday nights, right? It's like, wow, I wish our preacher was more like this one or that one. And it's easy to kind of try to get into little tribes and groups and say, this is the one I prefer. Can I tell you, this has just been amplified and made much worse by modern culture, where now all of you have your favorite preachers that you hear in person occasionally, and your favorite preacher that you listen to on YouTube or on podcast. It's very challenging and very different. And if we're not careful, we can get into all these little groups. This is what had happened to the church in Corinth. So I love what Paul does in answer to that, is to basically say, do you realize that this preaching is actually a pretty foolish endeavor all the way around? And that the power doesn't come through this foolishness in what we call preaching, but instead through the power of the cross and the message that's presented. Verse 18 really is the thesis of this whole section that we'll be studying over the next few weeks. For the word of the cross is folly, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I want to start this morning by talking about the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God, and included with this word wisdom, I'm including the power of God. The, the wisdom and the power of God, friends, is found solely in the cross of Christ. And when we talk about the cross of Christ, we're essentially talking about Christ himself, if you are looking for the wisdom of God, look no further than the cross of Christ. When you think about the gospel, it is an incredible plan put together by a sovereign, holy God. God is totally just, he's totally sovereign and holy, yet he's also totally loving. We've talked about the truth of the gospel before that you and I were created by God to worship him and enjoy him forever. God created us to have perfect fellowship with him, and we should spend eternity enjoying the Lord and being in his presence. But the problem comes in, and Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
And because you and I are sinners, we have been separated from that perfect fellowship with God. Because God is a holy and just God, he cannot tolerate sin. He cannot wash away sin and say, oh, don't worry about it. A just God must punish sin and therefore sinners. That's not a popular message in 2023. Can I just tell you that? People say, oh, well, I mean, isn't God a God of love? If he's really a God of love, then why should he, you know, have to punish sinners? That doesn't make sense to me. Well, friends, I would just say, if somebody were to murder my entire family and I were to say, uh, well, let's, let's put it, I get even less personal to me. Say somebody were to murder your family and I just said to you, hey, just forgive them. Doesn't matter. You would say you are an unjust, and even rightfully so, you could say you are a wicked person. So a just God cannot just tolerate and accept sin and rebellion towards him. But here's the wild thing about this God we worship. Again, remember what we said at Christmas? This God is way bigger than you think. And I want you to understand God is not like segmented into parts. Is that helpful to remember today? So it's not like, oh yeah, that Old Testament God. People say this a lot, and I just want to be like, no. I want to slap them with the Bible just so the truth of the Bible will get into them, right? I, I don't like that Old Testament God. I'm more of a New Testament. It's the same God. He is a holy God, and he is also a loving God. All holy and all loving at the same time. And uh, he's better than me, so I apologize for threatening to slap people with a Bible. Uh, that was, are we streaming right now? Can we just scrub that from the archives later, Brian? Uh, yeah. He's holy, but he's also loving. And here's what's crazy. Even though you and I are sinners, and we deserve eternal damnation, eternal separation from this God, the Bible says that God is also all-loving. And on Christmas Eve, we walked through John 3.16 that just says, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never did anything outside of the will of his heavenly father. And man, he caused a scene, didn't he, when he was on this earth. The religious authorities didn't like him. The political authorities didn't like him. And in fact, that pressure from society ended up having him nailed to a cross. But what we know behind the scenes, there's something way bigger than political and religious authorities murdering an uprising. Instead, we know that God himself, as Christ hung on the cross, poured out his very wrath the punishment for all of humanity's sin, past, present, and future, were poured out on Christ. And Christ took the punishment that all of us deserve because of our sin. And here's what Romans 3 actually says. This is really the genius. This is the wisdom of God at work. The wisdom of God is this, that God found a way for God to be both just and the justifier. That's what Romans 3 says. So God is a just God because he punishes sin, but he's also the justifier because the Bible says that anyone who surrenders their life to Christ and asks him to be their Lord and Savior, at that moment you are justified before God. So you today can have new life in Christ even though you are a sinner who, is an who has offended a holy God. Real change is possible today because of what Christ did on the cross for you. The wisdom and power of God are available. And I don't know why, but it's maybe just church background life. 
and, and a lot of us that have grown up in church and been around, we've some, for some reason stopped being amazed at the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like if you're over the gospel, can I tell you, get over being over the gospel. It should astound you that God loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you so that you could have that perfect relationship with him restored. What a powerful display of the wisdom of God. For the believer, the cross is where we find God's wisdom and power on display. And I just want to appeal to you today. Friend, if you're in this room and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, please do not leave this place without knowing Jesus. He came so that you could be right with God. You were created to have a thriving relationship with the almighty God. Do not settle for religious morality in Southeast Texas. Do not settle for trying to be a good man or a good woman. Instead, realize that you can't be good no matter how hard you try. Instead, surrender your life to Christ and have that relationship that with God that you were created to have restored. This is the wisdom of God put on display through the cross of Christ. But here's what we also need to recognize this morning. This message is foolish to the world. So we've talked about the wisdom of God. Let's talk about the foolishness of man. The text says it very clearly in verse 18. The word of the cross, it's the power of God to those who are being saved. But what's it say? It's folly, it's foolishness to those who are dying. To the wise of the world, this does not make sense. This message, and I just want to tell you again, what did I say earlier? This isn't popular in 2023. This message doesn't move the needle. In fact, for a lot of people, it turns them away from the very God who came to save them. But this is the message that matters. And my fear today is that many people, because this is seen as foolish in the world, we've tried to dress it up and make it palatable to the world. So since this gospel seems so foolish, maybe we can dress it up with intellectual vigor. Or maybe we can use some big churchy terms and make it sound more appealing to those type of people. Or maybe we can make it more entertainment-driven and package it in a way that people want to take it and do it. And it's kind of like when you're like trying to do vegetables in a way that works for somebody, right? I know some of y'all are going to be like, oh, you haven't had my broccoli. Stop it with the broccoli, people, all right? Oh, well, have you tried broiling it? It's almost like somebody literally said this to me one time. It's almost like eating chips. No, it's not. I'm about to go sinners in the hands of an angry God on them. Where's my Bible? I'm slapping somebody again. Here we go. <laughs> We're trying to make palatable the salvation that God has offered freely to all. And what we end up doing is making it another gospel, which is not really good news at all. The message we have to proclaim is a message that is foolish to the world. And not only is the message foolish to the world, again, the world doesn't want to hear that you're a sinner. Can I tell you that's where the gospel starts? Is you're a sinner. That message does not play well today. The largest church in America is like a stone's throw from us in Houston, and there's an arena today 
where the pastor at that arena has said publicly, like, man, people are tired of talking about sin. They just want to be encouraged. Y'all, let me just tell you, you can encourage a whole arena full of people straight to hell. We need the wisdom and power of God. And that only comes through the gospel. And the gospel only comes to those who know that they need the gospel. Oh, do you know you need it today? It's the wisdom of God comes to those who know that they need it and are willing to ask God for it. But not only is this a foolish message, but I want to tell you this is a foolish method. I love that Paul uses that phrase, the folly of what we preach. A literal rendering of that says, the folly of preaching. That God has chosen through the folly of preaching to communicate his truth. This preaching is designed to be a central part of the church of Jesus Christ. God's word is presented through his messengers and it communicates to the church and it does a work in human hearts. And I just got to tell you, all of the communication experts in the world will say what we are doing right now in 2023 is foolish. Oh, preacher, you, you can't go more than, you know, the attention spans only 17 minutes, so you got to wrap that thing up. You need more uh, video elements. If you don't have more video and lights and, you know, blinking things and, you know, more funny stories, you got to do all these things. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to communicate the gospel. They want sermons to become like, Jesus' TED Talks. But the reality is God has been using the foolishness of preaching from the very beginning to call people to himself. It's not about the messenger, but it's about the message. And in that message is contained the wisdom and power of God. Can I just tell you that as discouraging as this might be, when you think about it, it's also encouraging to me. And here's why. I think it's easy to put pressure on myself as a preacher and maybe even you with lost family members in your life. It's like, how can I explain the gospel in a way? How can I show them Jesus in a way that will help them see? And all of a sudden, you try to make yourself Jesus. Can I tell you, I'm your pastor, but I'm not in the saving business. I'm in the business of trying to introduce you to the Savior. Jesus is the only one who could save. The, the foolishness of man-centered ideas of trying to come up with a real cute and creative way to explain the gospel so that maybe more people will get saved is not wise. That's the wisdom of the world. Let's change church up so we can reach more people. I know that the scriptures have told us how we should worship the Lord, and it's actually given us a pretty good playbook for what congregational worship should look like. But instead, let's try to dress it up and make it look more worldly. And if we do that, maybe we can reach more people. Can I tell you what that is, friends? It's the wisdom of the world, which the Bible says has been made foolish by the wisdom of God. Can I tell you who God is actually in the business of using? Churches and people who are willing to be unimpressive to the world. People who are willing to be foolish in the eyes of the world around them so that God might use them. Oh, I pray that we would be willing to look foolish to the world instead of trying to be people more like the world. We cannot change people, but the Lord and the power of the gospel can change people today. 
There's two groups of people mentioned in this text. Look at verse 22. It says, Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. So two different groups of people who find the message of the gospel really ridiculous and even offensive. First, the Jewish people, and that, that really represents modern for us today, religious people. And for the Jews of the first century, here's the reality. They had read the Old Testament and saw that a Savior will come and reign forever and ever. He's going to come and overtake the, the people who have taken us captive, and they're going to rule on this earth. So for the Jews, when they heard, hey, salvation has come through a guy who was killed on a cross, they say, well, that doesn't sound like a Savior to me. That doesn't sound like the Messiah. And they say, well, that must be just foolishness. So the Jews didn't believe. For Greeks, uh, the Greco-Roman culture, philosophy was a huge thing. Man, there were literally hundreds of philosophies out there, philosophers who had all of these different ideas for how the world worked and what things should look like in their world, and people would follow them and commit to them and go through all these different ways of life. And at the end of the day, they would say, that's not intellectual enough. That's really kind of crude, the way the gospel is presented. So the religious people did not really want anything to do with the gospel. And also the worldly philosophers didn't want anything to do with the gospel. I know that there may not be hundreds of philosophies, but can I tell you there is social media and YouTube today? My goodness. Uh, there are so many wild things out there. I told you, like we got Jelly Roll on TikTok telling me about theology. I'm like, how did this happen? What a wild world we live in. But that's the culture in which we find ourselves. And there are hundreds of philosophies out there that are vying for our attention and that say, if you really want to level up your life, do this. If you really want to change, do this. If you really want to even experience God, do this. And it's all these different things. But at the end of the day, here's what it comes back to. The wisdom and power of God are found through the simple and incredible cross of Christ. So I want to talk about the wise response to this news, that the way of the world is often seen as wise in our culture, but the way of the cross is seen as foolish, but we know that we look like fools to the world, yet it's actually where we find the wisdom and power of God in our lives. Can I tell you the wise response to this news and this information would be to exchange the foolishness of the world for God's wisdom and power in your life. Let me just ask you, how has all the, the worldly philosophy and religious performance done for you? Let's be real. We in 2023 are one of the most medicated cultures for anxiety, depression, struggles, we are a culture where young people in particular are being attacked with mental health issues beyond anything we've seen historically to this point. Have you watched the news lately? It's a jungle out there, right? So with all this access to all of this worldly information and all these philosophies, how we doing, friends? Can I tell you what we need to do? We need to exchange the wisdom of this world for the wisdom and power of Christ. So I want to just ask you a real simple question as I wrap this thing up today. Are, are you wise or are you worldly? 
This is the question I want to leave you with today. A real simple definition for wisdom is this. Living life God's way. So wisdom is found in Christ, in Christ alone. But, but wisdom is this, on a daily basis, is living life God's way. So I want to ask, are you living a wise life or are you living a worldly life? And here's what I think we tend to do when we see a question like this. We're like, well, there's no like big sin in my life right now. I think I'm doing pretty good. But, but here's what I want to say to you. Wise living should apply to every single part of your life. Are you leading your family with wisdom or are you leading your family in the ways of the world? Or are you working like a wise person or are you working in the ways of the world? Christ and his cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ, ought to change every single part of who you are and it should change everything about your life. This looks foolish to the world around us, friends. But can I tell you, if we were to live like wise people, living life God's way in Buna, Texas in 2024, I believe we would see revival. So get in God's word. Live like God says to live. And I can tell you, we will see things change in our lives and in our culture. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth it brings us today. God, thank you for using the, the foolishness of preaching to call us to who you want us to be. Lord, I pray that we would not uh, rely on the wisdom of the world to, to live our lives, but God, instead, we would let the wisdom that comes from knowing you and your gospel change us. So God, thank you for this new year. Thank you for this new opportunity. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to live as wise people in 2024 and beyond. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. May God bless you as you continue to connect, grow, and serve.